Let's, um, let's go ahead and we'll take our Bibles and we'll turn to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to continue this morning <clears throat> talking about missions and missionaries. And this week we're going to be talking about a missionary that is still alive today. Um, you know, because the first week we talked about missionaries that, got, that were martyred. Last week we talked about Amy Carmichael. Um, and then this week, we're going to talk about a missionary um, who's actually had a pretty big impact in my life. And I actually just met him in person for the first, and it wasn't even in person. I just met him for the first time, like actually met him this past week on Monday. Um, so his name is Matt Allen. And uh, we actually support his parents, John and Lena Allen. Uh, to Papua New Guinea. They're the missionaries who are in Papua New Guinea, and they're working on Bible translation. And as of now, they have, uh, I think they have over two-thirds of the New Testament translated into the language that um, I think it's one tribe that they're translating that language into. Hey, Gideon, could you turn off the, um, the guitar? Um... So, we're going to talk about Matt Allen. And I was first in, like, introduced to his ministry when I was a freshman in college in 2007. So he came down to Pensacola Christian College to speak at their missions conference. And it was, it was ironic. So like, I, emailed him, I emailed him, actually I messaged him on Facebook at the end of last week. And I told him what we were doing. <clears throat> I said, we're, you know, we're doing our, our missions emphasis month. And we're bringing missionary stories into our Sunday school time. And so my, my message to him was a little kind of weird. It was like fanboyish, I guess. I was like, hey, like you're, you're someone who's meant a lot like to me in my life over the years. And um, I remember, and you'll understand why in a few minutes why I say this, but <clears throat> I remember sitting uh, in ministerial seminar. That's where all of the people who are studying for the ministry would go. And we, we had this, this separate class and guest pastors and missionaries would come in and speak to us. Um, and uh, he came in one week and he just told us about what he was doing in Papua New Guinea. And we're just, me and my friends were sitting there listening. We would always eat lunch right after. We're just listening to this guy speak. And we're like, man, people don't do what he's doing. Like people don't do that. It, it's incredible. And so we would go to lunch and we'd talk about it. And it was just to all of us, we looked at him and I grew up, you know, with my dad, uh, talking very highly missionaries and we always looked as missionaries as our heroes but this is someone who I was like man this guy's like a modern day hero I'd love to get to know him never got a chance and then a, a few years ago Hannah our sister um she went and worked with them for like a month in Papua New Guinea on a missions trip and she just had great things to say about their ministry and their work we took on John and Lena Allen for support But Matt Allen, I reached out to him and we spoke, we had a, we, we FaceTimed on Monday. We just had a really great conversation. And I got a little bit of information about him, about his call to the ministry and about what God has been doing in his life. And there were some things that really stood out to me during our conversation. But I'd like to share a little bit about his background, just like I did with all the other missionaries that we talked about. So Matt Allen, was, he grew up in Kentucky. He actually grew up in the church that um, my sisters, Hannah and Bethany, and then Lane, they're at now. He'd always wanted to be a pilot. And uh, during high school and college, he was really working towards that goal in his life. 
And it really, his ultimate goal was to be a pilot for Southwest Airlines. And when he told me that, I was like, Southwest? Like, you couldn't have, like, the only thing worse to pick would be Spirit. I mean, come on. But he's like, he was really working towards being a, an airline for, uh, a pilot for Southwest. And so when I made that comment to him, he's like, yeah, he's like, I understand what you mean. He's like, but at the time, if you were a pilot for Southwest, you would have a vested ownership in the company. So you'd get paid dividends on, on their stock sales and everything. So it was really a good route to go. But he also, while he's working on this, he grew up in church, in a good church, and he understood the importance of surrendering his life to the Lord and to God's will. And so at 18 years old, he did that. He surrendered to God's will. He said, God, I'd love to be a pilot for Southwest. I don't know what you'd have for me, but I'm surrendering to you whatever, whatever it is that you're calling me to. So still having his sights set on being a pilot for Southwest, he went to Pensacola Christian College. And it was during his freshman year, during missions conference, a missionary to South Korea challenged the church and the student body and asked the question, who will go? Who will go to the mission field? Matt told me he looked over at his girlfriend, Becky, at the time. Now they're, they're married. Looked over at his girlfriend, Becky, and said, I don't know about you, but I'll go. And so both of them went to the altar and answered God's call. When speaking to his father, he, he told his father what, he, um, you know, what God had put on his heart, and his, and his father encouraged him. He said, hey, that's great. That's awesome. I'm excited for you. But finish your aviation training. You never know, when God, you know how God's going to use that or if God's going to use that. But finish your aviation training. So he said, okay. So he, he transferred out of Pensacola. He went to Piedmont College because they had a degree in missions aviation. And he finished his degree there. They graduated in 2002. They got married and within 14 months were headed to Papua New Guinea. Which is, most missionaries take between three and four years to get onto the mission field. He told me his senior year, he was already at 75% of his mission support raise. So he's, his senior year, he's in classes. He's also traveling to churches to raise support to be a missionary to Papua New Guinea. So now, 14 years after he graduates, he and his wife, they're headed on their way to Papua New Guinea. As he's raising support, the director of a large missions agency told him, that if he goes to Papua New Guinea, into the jungles, he's going to be wasting his time. But he knew that that's where God was calling him, so he went and he obeyed. They went to this remote, you can put up, there's some pictures, Gideon, you can put up some pictures. Um, so this is him back in like 2007. This is, you know, like looking at a picture of Ethan in 2007, basically. Um, that's him in 2007. You can go to the next picture. This is actually his mother. This is Lena Allen. She's teaching a group of children. But he ends up in this, in this village that's, that's pretty hard to reach. Basically, you reach the village by hiking into it. And they established their family there. They built a house. They started doing work. They started seeing souls, to get sa uh, souls being saved. There was this, um, I'm going to look it up because I'll probably pronounce it wrong. There was this... Uh, what really piqued his interest, New Tribes, which is this missions agency reaching um, unreached people groups, they have this story called the Eat House story. And basically, the way that New Tribes would work, they would 
go to a, someone who's never heard the gospel, a people group that's never heard the gospel, and they'd begin with creation and go all the way up to the cross. And this really piqued his interest in reaching people who have never heard the gospel. Leave this picture up for a few minutes, Gideon, because we'll, um, actually, we'll come back to this picture. Um, so he was really interested in that. So that's what he did when he got to the village. He started with creation and he made his way up to the cross and people were getting saved. He saw a need, though, to reach other villages, people who had not heard the gospel. Now, the issue is where, where they lived is a very mountainous area. And in order to get, so well, there's a video we'll watch in just a minute. Don't put it up yet, but there's a video we'll watch in just a minute. And he talks about some of these villages taking days to get to. Some of them, set one of them seven miles away was a seven or an eight hour hike up and down this mountain. One of them had like this cliff that had to be scaled to get to. I mean, it's just unreached people. And he, he started to, to, to pray about how can we accomplish this goal? And God put a burden on his heart to pray that God would provide the funding for an airplane. Go ahead and, and put the video on. six years we hiked all over the jungles of the Gulf Province in Papua New Guinea. Many of those hikes were for six or eight hours at a time and some were as long as three and four days. I knew there was a better way to get there but I just couldn't afford it. In 2008, the Lord miraculously provided the finances for us to purchase a very nice Cessna 206. And what a change that airplane has made in our ministry.
we've been able to use this airplane as a tool to complement our work in the Gulf province. Last year, I used it to reach a village named Asipopo, a 13-minute flight that did away with a solid two-day hike. Without the airplane, the people that got saved there would still be lost. In a 12-month period last year, we flew 346 flights, covering almost 19,000 miles. It would have taken 1,181 days for one man to have covered the same distance by any other method of transportation. Many times we have used the airplane to provide medical evacuations for sick patients. In this past year, I flew a very special medevac for my own daughter. I can't say how much I appreciate having an airplane at our location. Many of you gave to purchase the airplane and many of you give monthly to keep it running. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. This video was one year after they had purchased the plane. And uh, when I was, so he came back to our to college, to, to our school, my sophomore year, and presented this need. And our college administration decided to make this the college and the church's Christmas offering for missions. And we raised in that offering. And I, I had, you know, I was a college student. I don't remember how much I gave. It was not much, but I was able to be a part of giving to that need. It might have been $10. It wasn't a lot. But we raised like $100,000. Our college raised enough to actually purchase the plane for him. And so his ministry, and this was 2000, and this video came from 2010, I believe. And he still uses the plane today. He's, he's not in the jungles anymore. God called him. You know, they, they started other churches in the jungles, and, and they're still doing that. But they spent 11 years in the jungle, and then God called them to move to the capital city called Port Moresby. <clears throat> and he told me that 
He was very reluctant to answer that call, but he did. Put that picture, Gideon, back up of those guys with the shovels. So you saw the, the airstrip, the, the landing. These guys created that landing strip by hand. Basically, this was the work crew that created the landing strip. I think eventually they were able to get a bulldozer out and, and to some of the places, but this was the first, the first airstrip was made by these guys by, by hand. So God had been doing some miraculous things through his life, and then God calls him to go to Port Moresby, which is the capital. So he's been now in Port Moresby for nine years. When I asked him about some lessons that God taught him, I, I wanted to understand what are some lessons that God taught you while you were in the jungle. And he, he told me this. He wouldn't have been able to have an effective ministry in the city if he hadn't spent time in the bush. And that's because... The people in the jungle, their goal is eventually to move into the city. But they live and grow up and their lives are shaped by what they learn in the jungle. And so now he's able to have this effective ministry and he's able to relate to people in a way that he would not have been able to if he, if he hadn't spent all those years in the jungle. Another lesson he learned was how to genuinely love people. He told me there's no chance to have a facade when you're in the jungle. When he have, whenever he has people that come out or new missionaries that come out and he sends them to go to this, to this area to talk with the people and get to know them, he always knows, he says, how much these people care or how much work they were able to do or if they were able to truly connect. And he said, he told me this, he says, I'm able to tell by whether or not they have mud on the back of their pants. The people in Papua New Guinea in the jungles, they, they just sit in the mud when they talk to you. And if you're truly going to relate to them on, the, on their level and connect with them, he said, you have to sit in the mud with them. And it's this deep, like, brown mud that you can't wash out of your clothes. He says, but you can always tell if someone really cares and connects with people by what the back of their pants look like. His goal in the, on the mission field in the jungle was not to create this dependency on him. He started churches. He trained pastors, and then he turned them over. As I spoke with Matt this week, we emailed back and forth a little bit more. The Bible verse that kept coming to my mind was Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 25. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. It'll be on the screen. But the Bible says this, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. I believe today that we can learn from the example of this man and his family and the way that he surrendered to the mission. And we'll see that God wants us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. And then we can find true fulfillment. Let's have a word of prayer. God, we thank you for this time that you've given us. We pray now that as we look into your word, I pray that you would help us to be attentive. Lord, teach us from your word this morning. Pray that you'd speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at that verse in Matthew chapter 16, if any man will come after me, Jesus says this to his disciples, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. What do we think of, just on a, on a 
regular everyday level when we say we're going to deny ourselves of something? I think of a diet. Does anybody think of a diet? This comes to mind because last night I was at Travis's house. We were, we were doing some work, and afterwards we had um, we were, we were eating some pizza. And Travis has been on this this diet, and he's he looks great, right? Everybody can see that Travis looks great. And, um, but we're having pizza, and he was like wanting a third piece of pizza. And he's like, I haven't eaten all day today. I'm like, dude, just eat the pizza. Like, every, no one's just eat the pizza. He, but we think of that like. We think of like denying ourselves like the pleasures of life, like a cupcake maybe, um, maybe a cupcake or a piece of pizza or like some sweets, right? That's what we think of our, uh, when we think of, well, we're just denying ourselves. Well, this, this really, that's our common vernacular, right? When we think about that, really it's, it's much deeper than this though when Jesus is speaking. This same word deny is the same exact word that we find in a few chapters later when Peter denies Christ three times. It's the same exact word. And it means to disavow or to disown. Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, then you really need to surrender yourself over to me. The first thing they need to do is deny themselves, to disown themselves, to, to disavow themselves. Well, well, what do I mean? What do I mean by that? Well, it goes beyond just, you know, skipping a few pleasures of life to, 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 uh, to give ourselves to God. It really goes even deeper than that and talks about, I'm going to deny myself of my own dreams. I'm going to surrender my dreams to God. I'm going to surrender my ambitions, my goals over to God. I'm going to surrender my family over to God. I'm going to surrender my vocation, my calling, my career. I'm going to surrender that to God. And we need to understand something. When we do this, when we surrender ourselves to God, when we surrender our dreams, our goals, our ambitions, our desires, our careers, when we surrender those to God, we don't need to be worried that he's going to make us do something miserable. We don't need to be worried that he's going to take our lives and just send them down this path of misery and destruction. When we follow God's will, when we surrender to his will, when we follow him, we have ultimate satisfaction. We say, God, I know that what you have for me is best. I know that the path you want me to go is better than the path that I want to go. We can surrender our dreams and goals and ambitions to God because he has greater dreams, goals, and ambitions for us. We could have the perfect job, make all the money in the world that we could ever think of. But if we're not surrendered to God, following his plan, following his will, well, then it's a waste. We won't be truly satisfied. We won't find fulfillment. It's about renouncing, disowning ourselves. Psalm 37 verse 4 this was, Matt told me that this is his, basically his life verse. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the, the desires of thine heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, 
when we delight ourselves in the Lord, our desires may change, right? Our desires may change. Matt was on track to have this career as an airline pilot with Southwest. Yet God changed his plans, and 20 years later, he, he tells me he wouldn't have it any other way. He's where God wants him to be, and he loves following God. So we see denying ourselves. Secondly, the verse goes on in, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. Take up his cross. We've all heard the expression used, well, we've all got our crosses to bear. Anybody heard that expression? Or maybe you've used it before. Sometimes we, we use that when any sort of difficulty enters into somebody's life. Well, we all have our crosses to bear. Or maybe we use it when sometimes um, we use it in jest, like, like this, uh, next Sunday I'm flying to California for work, and uh, you know the weather in California is going to be a little bit warmer than the weather here when I'm gone. And so, you know, well, we all have our crosses to bear. We can say it as a joke or in jest. We apply the phrase to jest. We apply it to minor inconveniences. Sometimes we do apply it to truly difficult situations. But this phrase has, has a totally different meaning. It's important, I think, as we think about it, to note Jesus says this to his disciples before he was crucified. Now we look back at it and we say, okay, yeah, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Well, Jesus literally took up a cross, but the disciples didn't know that this was going to happen. Jesus had, had told them that he had come to die. The disciples didn't get it. You know, remember when Jesus died, they were distraught. They had no clue what was going on. They were afraid for their lives. They didn't fully understand it. Now, looking back, we can say, yes, Jesus took up his cross, and he followed, he followed God, so now we follow Jesus by taking up our cross. But what does it truly mean? What would the disciples be thinking when Jesus said, take up your cross? <clears throat> Crucifixion was... <clears throat> it was reserved for those who had basically rebelled against authority. Not every prisoner was, was crucified. That's not the only way that the Romans executed people. Mostly it was set aside for political prisoners, people who, or if they just needed to strike terror into people, but people who, rule, uh, who, who rebelled against authority, they set up this, this way of, of execution as a way to put fear into people's minds to submit. To take up one's cross refers to the practice of forcing the condemned individual to carry his cross to his place of execution. Remember when, when we read the story, when we read the story of Jesus going to his crucifixion, he's meant to carry the beam of his cross on the way to the crucifixion. Well, that was, that was commonplace. And it was this final act where the Roman authorities would have the condemned person so completely conquered that his, act, his last act in life would be to carry the instrument of his demise to the place of his very death. It was a show of complete submission or a show of complete surrender. There's nothing else that they could do but to obey and to carry that beam of the cross to their final place of execution. 
And that's what would have been going through the disciples' minds when Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross. Completely submit. Completely surrender. Jesus is saying, I have supreme authority in your life, not you. I am the one who will tell you what to do and how to live, not you. I'm your authority. It means surrendering to him completely in every aspect. We read about, well, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul talks about this. And he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I live in complete submission. He says, it's not me that lives. The life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Live in complete submission to our authority, who is Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Follow me. When we surrender ourselves, when we surrender our desires, our dreams, our ambitions, and our plans over to God then we completely submit to his authority, we start to follow Christ where he wants us to go, where he leads us. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. These verses explain to us that we can give ourselves over to God and we can trust Him. We don't have to be we don't have to be the servants of sin anymore. Understand, before we were believers, before we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we were the servants of sin. Whatever sin wanted us to do, we did. We gave in to all of our impulses. We gave in to all of our own lusts. We gave in to whatever desire we wanted. We could try our own self-discipline. We could try you know, living a life that was good, but ultimately we fail because we were still sinners. Ultimately, we would fail because we had no means of help. We could only go so far in our own power and our own strength. Self-discipline isn't enough. Then we put our faith in Jesus and our lives are transformed. The Bible says we take off the new man and we mortify the deeds of our flesh or we take off the old man and we mortify the deeds of our flesh and we put on the new man, which is made in the image of Christ. Sin no longer has dominion over us. We don't have to be the servants of sin anymore. So that frees us to live for God. 
that frees us to do what God wants us to do, we can then be used as tools for God's service. Matt made this comment to me in, in one of the, the emails he sent. And he said, he said, when I understood delighting myself in God and trusting him with my plans and then giving my life over to him so that I could be used for his service, he said, who gets to do this stuff that I do? Really, like, I'm kind of jealous. The guy flies, and he's still flying that plane, flying missionaries in and out of the jungle, uh, into the different tribes that they're going to, still doing medevac trips. I mean, who gets to do that kind of stuff? It's, I don't know if you think it's as cool as I do. Like, I think it's really cool. He's, like, living this great, exhilarating adventure, serving God. He, but he's, he's found his fulfillment because he denied himself. He took up his cross, and he followed Christ. But we can find that same fulfillment no matter what God has called us to do. Whether it is flying airplanes into the... I think they have a helicopter now. There's another video... Um, I didn't pull up for sake of time, but I, there, there are, there are places that they, he's like, all right, well, we're going to these, to these tribes and we've got these airstrips built in, but he's like, you know, there are villages that don't have room for an airstrip. One of them, one of the videos he showed, um, when talking about the helicopter, there's like this, this, this hour long hike in the jungle. And then you have to climb a cliff to get to the village. And he's like, and the junk, the people, like the villagers around in their tribes, they're afraid of the cliff. He's like, so we climb the cliff and get there, but there's a better way to do it. He's like, I can get there now in 10 minutes if I had a helicopter, but I can't afford a helicopter. So help us get a helicopter. He, gets, he got a helicopter. And so now they're, they're, they're getting to these tribes that are just really unreachable and unaccessible before these. But he's found fulfillment. And when we, <clears throat> when we surrender, when we submit, <clears throat> when we follow, then we find ultimate fulfillment in life. In Matthew 16, verse number 25, Jesus said this, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake, shall find it. Verse 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whatever God has called you to do, when you follow, when you surrender, when you submit, then you find fulfillment. We understand when we look around and see people who don't know Jesus, who are constantly looking for fulfillment, constantly changing jobs, constantly changing spouses, constantly changing cities and locations where they live. We understand that they're looking for fulfillment and they're trying to find it in all of these earthly things, buying more toys, buying more entertainment. And not, none of the, well, the toys and entertainment aren't necessarily bad, but like, you know, changing spouses, that's bad. Um, but... They're looking for something to bring fulfillment. They think maybe fulfillment will come from their kids. They think maybe fulfillment will come from their stuff. 
We understand that they're looking for the fulfillment that only Jesus can provide, but sometimes we see Christians doing the same thing. Looking for their fulfillment in all sorts of areas outside of Jesus. They look for fulfillment in their children. They look for fulfillment in their careers. The same thing that the world does. It's when we surrender to God that ultimately we have peace and fulfillment. Jesus said, whoever will, lose, will save his life for his own purposes and his own plans, well, you'll lose it. You won't find fulfillment. You'll spend your life searching because you'll constantly be following and chasing the next thing. But if you lose your life for Christ's sake, if you surrender, right, you lose your plans and you trade them with God's plans. You surrender your, your, your life to submit to God and his authority, well, then you'll find it. We look at it as like, well, that's a false dichotomy, right? We, we lose to win and we, 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 but if we, or we lose to gain, but if we gain, we lose. But Jesus said, that's not how it works in the kingdom. If you save yourself for yourself, then you've lost your life. But if you lose yourself for me, submit to me, come under my authority, then you'll find your life. You'll find fulfillment. And that's how your life will have meaning. And that's how you'll leave a lasting impact. As we conclude this series, the first week we talked about the, the John and Betty Stam and the faith that it required for them to get to the field. And, and that faith is required in all of us, no matter what God is calling us to. But we also, we didn't just look at the faith that was required. We looked at the second week, we talked about last week, we talked about Amy Carmichael, and we talked about the motive behind going. Are we going for our own purposes, our own motives, our own desires? Are we working based on, on, on bringing glory to ourselves, or are we doing it with the motive of advancing the kingdom and bringing honor to God? And we close this week with surrender. And all three of these things work together. All three of these things work together. Faith, motive, and surrender. So, do you have the faith? Are your motives pure? And will you surrender to this mission? God's calling us to deny ourselves. He's calling us to surrender to his authority and to follow him. And it's only then that we can find true and lasting fulfillment in life. Have you surrendered? Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you. Lord, for examples of, of the past missionaries, Lord, we thank you for examples of missionaries that we see today. Lord, we pray for the Allen family, for John and Lena Allen and the translation work and the medical work they're doing. We, we pray for Matt and Becky and his family and the work they're doing on the mission field in Papua New Guinea. We pray that, Lord, you would give them the, the energy they need. Give them, Lord, uh, just fill them with your spirit each and every day. Help them to rely on you. We pray that you'd continue to grow your kingdom as they spread the gospel there. Lord, we pray that you'd be with the missionaries that are going to be coming this coming week for our missions conference. I pray, God, that we would take some time to get to know them, that we would take some time to, to listen to them, to pray for them in the, the respective fields that they're in. Challenge us today, God, to surrender to you, to your will, to your authority. In Jesus' name, amen.
are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.